We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. KJ Podcast Week 1 Recap Episode. Hope my people had a great start to September. San Francisco 49ers fall 24-16 to the Minnesota Vikings. Not the end of the world. Not time to hit panic buttons. But super frustrating loss. So many miscues and mistakes on offense. Defense played pretty well. Jimmy Garoppolo had three interceptions. Red zone issues. We're going to get into it all. KJ Podcast, part of Blue Wire, bluewirepods.com. Local sports podcasting, bringing influencers together. Check out Ted Wynn, Coffeehouse Stun about the Raiders. Check out Ray Woodson, Triples Alley Report on the Giants. Yeah, where do we even begin? Kind of a weird game. The San Francisco 49ers were down 24 to 6 at one point. Looked like it was going to be a blowout. They clawed and scrapped back into it, but ultimately just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Was a really frustrating game. Where Alfred Morris fumbled on the two-yard line. George Kittle dropped what would have been a 70-yard touchdown pass. Jimmy Garoppolo threw two bad interceptions. It was 15 of 33. He gave a C-plus game. If Jimmy Garoppolo played outstanding, this could have been a 49ers win. And that's what's frustrating. It's the first time we've seen this where he was average. Jimmy Garoppolo made a bunch of big plays down the field. Incredible touchdown pass to Dante Pettis where he looked like Tony Romo. But too many passes were high. You go to my Twitter feed, at Mr. Underscore Kevin Jones. I posted a video of a third and goal early fourth quarter. Great drive from the 49ers. Dante Pettis had a big catch down the left sideline. Brita had a nice run. Trent Taylor was helping him out. All of a sudden, it's third and goal. 
George Kittle beats Harrison Smith on the inside. Great move in the end zone. Jimmy Garoppolo sails the pass. That, to me, was worse than the interceptions. A touchdown there, finishing in the red zone. Emphatic statement. The defense was playing lights out at that point. Momentum would have completely flipped. The 49ers had chances to get momentum all game, and they squandered every chance in the red zone. Red zone is not all on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we've seen a lack of creativity down there. Just looking at other teams around the league today and how easily other teams were scoring touchdowns next to the goal line. I don't blame Kyle for calling Alfred Morris's number and seeing what he has and seeing if that is a viable option. I've called that before, but man, it's, it's getting really tough there. One of four in the red zone. 49ers are kicking way too many short field goals. The fact that this game was close, though, I don't mean to be all negative coming into this podcast, but I'm just day of the loss, Sunday night here, KJ podcast. The fact that it was close is encouraging that they were able to have huge games from Fred Warner to Forrest Buckner. Richard Sherman was excellent. I didn't see him getting beat once. Kirk Cousins was dinking and dunking. They really shut down the running game. Dalvin Cook was an effective receiver. Thielen beat him a lot, but defensively, I'm you were walking away as a 49ers fan, happy with the performance. It was good enough to win. I think if the defense is better than anticipated, if Fred Warner is going to be this good with Reuben Foster, it's going to be hard to do things in the middle of the field. So the defensive piece has played well. It was really a matter of four or five plays. The Kittle drop really changed everything because the pick six happened the very next play. And it, that was just too much to recover from. I tweeted at the time, like, the Vikings are better all across the board. If you make mistakes against them, it's over. Like, you got to hope that they make one or two, and they really didn't. So I think the 49ers weren't completely overmatched. It's just they drowned in their own mistakes. They forgot their keys. They missed the bus. They left their lunch at home. It was just all this little shit kept adding up, and it's like, oh, we're not going to be able to win. I didn't even mention the Marquise Goodwin injury, I think, was huge. I thought the the receivers filled in fine for him, but they needed his jolt. They needed a big play from him at a certain point. He might have gotten the ball in the end zone for them. I think he is their best touchdown maker. How about McGlinchey's first NFL game is at right guard? They have two injuries that Mike Person and Joshua Garnett both carted off the field. In his first ever game, he has to flip to right guard. Gary Gilliam comes in at right tackle. The protection wasn't great. I didn't think it was horrible, though. Getting back to Jimmy Garoppolo, there was pressure in his face, but he was sacked three times. I felt like he was making things happen on scrambles as well. Like Against the Vikings, this was about the best they could do. The running game wasn't all there, but Breida ran for a couple first downs. Him and Morris together combined were close to over 100 yards. So against the Vikings, I thought he had decent help around him. I didn't think the 49ers really shit the bed. A couple drops by Kittle. I'm not calling that one in the end zone, the Dante Pettis a drop. That was a good play by Trey Waynes. I called him out on Twitter. He actually had a pretty good game. The Vikings are sound. Everyone showed up for them. Kyle Rudolph had a touchdown. Diggs had a touchdown. Thielen dominated. Danielle Hunter was everywhere. Everson Griffin was getting pressure. Harrison Smith had a pick. The rookie, Mike Rhodes, had a pick six. Like All of their guys made plays, and they didn't run away with this game. What's crazy is I have people in my mentions, some are like, Jimmy Garoppolo looked terrible. 
Others are like, give him a chance. He made so many plays. What are you talking about? I think it is going to be that kind of season where some people do hop off his bandwagon. Some people go so far on the other end that they're defending him too much. It'll be somewhere in the middle. Jimmy Garoppolo was a C plus today. Was was a B minus at best. I mean, he 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 didn't play that well, guys. And it's okay to say things like that. And it it's not like the end of the world. It's not like the franchise is over that they wasted so much money on this guy. He's gonna have probably four or five more of these games and ten good ones, is my prediction. Eight touchdown passes, eight interceptions, in six games with the 49ers. He's five and one as a starter. It's not all about him though. It is a lot about coaching. We should go there next because I do think I underestimated not having Jarek McKinnon in the offense. There was basically no passes to running backs this game. Maybe that's because it's Minnesota. You've got to work the protections a lot different. You've got to have a running back in there to chip right in front of Jimmy G. I don't know the official play counts on that, but I've got one catch here from Brita and Morris combined. Meanwhile, Dalvin Cook, six catches, 55 yards. He was really a big reason on a bunch of those scoring drives. Minnesota was getting momentum from getting Dalvin Cook out in space, spreading some things out. Minnesota did nothing flashy at all. They dinked. They dunked. I don't think Kirk Cousins, he had like two throws down the field that were attempted. It was intermediate passing, nothing complex. They're just solid. Their roster is just really good. I've said it before, the 49ers should aspire to build a roster that deep where they have that many playmakers. And 49ers prove they have some playmakers on defense a lot more than anticipated. But the Vikings really never let go of momentum. They really, it was close. The Niners could have won if four or five plays went their way. Would have been a lot closer. But the Niners really never had control of this game. They were playing the Vikings tempo they had to respond to counter punches the whole time and then punching themselves in the face a couple times that's basically the whole theme each story to every week will be different I don't think this is a repetitive thing I don't think we're going to be saying oh my god Jimmy G is throwing three picks every week holy crap the red zone thing is a whole issue all year I actually told you guys Dante Pettis was going to be the red zone weapon and that is what happened the only touchdown today was Dante Pettis making a shifty move how about his debut? Only two catches for 61 yards. Had a nice little punt return as well. Goodwin officially has a bruised quad, so it's not going to be a serious issue. He may be a little limited in practice this week, but still, I need Dante Pettis on the field. I need four wide receiver sets as much as possible. Kyle's going to have to figure out a way to keep Dante Pettis on the field. We'll see about Garcon. Two catches, 21 yards. There's no way they're yanking him this quickly. I could see a scenario in November or December where it is Pettis and Goodwin if Garcon's numbers just aren't there and they have to try something to jolt the offense. I don't think that's out of the question. I told you it was going to be a tough matchup for Pierre this week against Rhodes. It'll be tough next week. Darius Slay with the Lions too. I mean, every team has a top-notch corner pretty much. Um, I, still have, I still have faith in Pierre, but great to see Pettis. Let's talk more about Fred Warner. The force fumble, running from behind, heads-up play, Dalvin Cook. Nine tackles in the first half, 12 total. It did feel like Ruben Foster was missing when Brock Coyle was getting lit up there a little bit. But for the most part, Fred Warner was covering turf. 
physical hard hitter wraps up well, flies to the ball. I think he'll get even better in coverage. He's he's a great run defender now. He can find the hole where the running back's going there and just appear right away. He doesn't get stuck on an O-lineman. Him and Foster together, I'm so pumped to see that week three. Uh, Kansas City, that's looking like a tougher game than originally anticipated. They crushed the Chargers today. And then it'll be Chargers week four, Lions week two. Winning next week is actually going to be huge for the 49ers. That's how hard going on the road, two AFC West opponents. There is a little bit of pressure for Jimmy G to respond next week, deliver a big win at home, which I think he's totally capable of. My confidence in Jimmy G has not been lowered. The expectations that we thought of him struggling some this year are true. And let's bring this up. Is there a tougher game on the schedule than the Vikings week one on the road? Rams, possibly. Packers, Monday Night Football in Green Bay, possibly. This was one of the three or four toughest games on the schedule to start the year. The 49ers lost by one possession, eight points. The offense didn't play that well. The defense did. Let's talk about the mistakes on defense. I thought Akilah Weatherspoon, that was a perfect pass from Kirk Cousins when he got beat in the second quarter there. Stephon Diggs scores a touchdown. I know the 49ers, we've read articles before, they don't teach about turning the head. It's a technique that needs to be taught if they're going to be getting stops here. I mean, this is such a crucial thing that most cornerbacks in the league do, and it's always a tremendous play when they get their head around in time and can knock the ball away. It's not about reading the receiver there. I don't know if it's a coaching issue or they want Witherspoon to play that way. I hope the reporters on scene can get more clarity on that. What is the deal with not turning his head there? That was an issue. Solomon Thomas, his offsides, didn't end up mattering as much, but infuriating. Fourth and one? They're getting the play clock that low, and you still fall for it? Very tough to see that. He was mostly invisible on the day. Saw him get in the backfield a couple times, but not his best debut. He's getting crushed on Twitter, and let's give him more of a chance here, but this was an O-line that DeForest Buckner certainly took advantage of. Ronald Blair was doing some of his thing. So quiet day from him. Brock Coyle, concussion. I would be okay starting Elijah Lee next week. He had a great tackle on a third down on Kirk Cousins there. Number 47 out there, new linebacker, young guy. We'll see if Malcolm Smith's ready next week. K1 Williams got beat a couple times. Defense, though, I am nitpicking here. They brought it. Robert Sala's unit brought it. The offense did it, and that's... I thought it was kind of going to be opposite. I thought Jimmy G was going to be able to put up 28 points. Defense was going to get picked on. They held their own. KJ podcast. Week one recap. 49ers lose 24-16. Not really shocked. I mean, every analyst picked the Vikings to win. They look like a playoff team. Sky is not falling in San Francisco. Super frustrating loss. But all in all, you really can't be that mad. There's going to be a little bubble of people who start cropping up as being haters of this team, though. Because I do think they're closer to 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight than the 10-6, and 11-5 Twitter fanboys get carried away with when this team is not close to the Vikings yet. Like As I mentioned, all their playmakers literally made plays all day. 
We talked a little bit about Kyle's play calling. I'd like to see Juszczyk targeted more. Nice slip screen to get him down the field there, 56 yards. Great catch. I was talking to someone on Twitter. I think he could be utilized more as a tight end. H-back, similar skill set to Chris Cooley. I used to watch him all the time in the Redskins. Their body movement, the way they can use their shoulders to get open, similar to Dante Pettis. It's a unique trait that makes him a good receiver. Jimmy G spread the ball around to six different receivers. Kittle, five receptions, 90 yards. He looked like a stud. He was getting open quite a bit. And then I think it was the first drive where they scored in the second quarter. 18-yarder to Kittle, 12-yarder to Kittle. As I mentioned on the podcast last week, they were going to use him to kind of get going. He could be their energizer bunny. With Goodwin out, someone had to be. But Kittle, 5 for 90. He was the top target. Yeah, you got people like my boy Al Sacco on Twitter worried about this wide receiving unit. Are they enough? I really don't think it's on them. I, I don't think they played very poorly considering it was the Vikings. There was enough plays made. Jimmy G's threw for 261 yards. So I'm not ready to criticize that unit yet. Remember, 49ers led the league in time of possession when Jimmy Garoppolo in December. They've lost it by a little today, 28-31 to the Vikings. Um, that eight-minute drive in the second quarter, you will see a lot of drives like that, though, where Kyle wants to give his defense a break. They're down. I thought the play calling was mostly good. Running game, all right. Offensive line, all right. No one was dreadful. That's the key takeaway here. Like No one completely shit the bed. Maybe except for Kendrick Bourne. The first interception Jimmy Garoppolo threw, Bourne slipped. And then the locker room admitted after he ran the wrong route. There was a TV reaction of Garoppolo totally flipping out. Didn't look like he was mad at himself. Didn't look like a, like a, oh, shucks, damn it. It looked like, what the F were you doing? That was not where we were supposed to be. Bourne admitted that. I think we see him inactive next week. I think we see him penalized for that. Richie James given that opportunity. And if Richie James makes that catch and then goes up the field for 22 yards, Richie James is your fifth receiver. There'll be injuries and Bourne can be activated again, but he may have blown a chance today in Minnesota. People are tweeting me, that's your boy. He was my boy prior to training camp. I've kind of foreshadowed his little fallout and wondered if he was actually going to make the team. It sucks to see someone slip off the radar that fast. It's the NFL. Snap judgments here. Kendrick Bourne could play a lot this season too, but I think week two, Richie James is going to be given an opportunity. We'll see about special teams. If if Kendrick Bourne played well to Richard Hightower, those grades come in and the 49ers need that. You could still see him active. But if it's me, I'm, I'm calling up Richie James. That's inexcusable. That's points on the scoreboard because of Kendrick Bourne, essentially. That's a pick six. Because this receiver that you think could have potential, let's give him a snap. He's fucking cost us a touchdown. Can't happen. Could have been the main reason for the loss is Kendrick Bourne. Like this is, I should have been talking about this way earlier in the podcast. This is actually a big ass deal that I think he's going to get called out and penalized for. KJ podcast, 49ers recap. Three best players for the Niners. I thought DeForest Buckner, Fred Warner, And am I crazy to say Dante Pettis? 
Pettis had a huge play. Was it 39-yarder to get them up the field? Five targets, two catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. Bright spots are happening on the 49ers. This was not a wasted game. There was good reps accumulated. There was confidence gained by the defense. Confidence gained by two rookies. A second and third rounder are coming in and contributing right away. That's good news. That's not bad news. Richard Sherman looks healthy and good enough to run with the best receivers in the league. It's one game, but I'm not worried about Golden Tate next week. I'm not worried that the Lions are going to throw all over this secondary. They look good against a very sound Minnesota Vikings offense. I don't know what happens with McGlinchey. Is he going to stay at right guard? It didn't look like he was out of place. Garnett's injury looked worse than Persons. We saw Person milling around the sidelines afterwards. He was not off to a good start, though. It was clear early in the game that Person was kind of getting manhandled a little bit. So right guard will be a tenable situation. Obviously, you'd like McGlinchey to start his career at right tackle, but if Kyle feels it's a better combination to have him at right guard and Gilliam at, at right tackle, if he liked the film of that, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. We'll see everyone's health status. And I would say this, don't be a Jimmy Garoppolo hater and don't be a Jimmy Garoppolo is Jesus. It's somewhere in the middle after week one here. Like You don't have to say the sky is falling. You don't have to say he's never made a mistake. We can openly analyze Jimmy Garoppolo's performance and one bad game or one even, it was below average at worst. It was above average at best if you're going to be that guy. But let this play out. Let this thing happen. He's still an infant in his NFL career. He doesn't even have one full season under his belt. Jimmy Garoppolo is essentially a rookie on the field. He's obviously not. But in terms of games played, he's now up to eight. He's played eight games. He will throw three interceptions again by October, by somewhere in the middle of October. That is guaranteed to happen. He is more of a quarterback that takes chances than sacks. If there is pressure, he'll trust his arm and his receiver in certain situations. It may take a couple of these games for him to learn, getting some interceptions out of his system. It's weird to have a podcast after a loss with him. It was so, like, obviously I knew it was going to happen, but I was like, oh, wow. We're talking Jimmy G and some improvements he has to make. We're not talking about, oh, my God, this guy is unbelievable. And it's totally normal. And this is the reality for the 49ers this season. 10-6, and 11-5, it would be incredible. I think 9-7, and 8-8 or more realistic is the right stepping stone in year two as the roster continues to fill out. KJ Podcast, this will be the routine from here on out. We'll do Sunday night pods. We'll have them ready for you to go. You listen Sunday night, Monday morning, Tuesday, and then we'll do another pod Wednesday night to look ahead, recap some film, and then preview the Lions, preview the opponent. Two pods every week during the NFL season. I've talked about all the big takeaways the whole time. Sky is not falling. Frustrating loss. Jimmy Garoppolo's got to be better. He knows it. Kyle's got to be better around the red zone. Defense looks good. Very encouraged. They'll probably be more up and down later in the season. I don't think you're going to get this solid of a performance from them, which is why it's frustrating to 
squander this. I don't think they're they're going to allow more points in this. They allowed 17 points. Kendrick Bourne allowed seven himself. That's that freaking cannot happen. Lots more to talk about. We always will on Twitter. Mr. Underscore Kevin Jones. Blue Wire. BlueWirePods.com. Check out Ted Wynn. Coffeehouse Stunt. Check out Ray Woodson. He had Derek Rodriguez on his podcast last time. Giants have a huge offseason ahead. Raiders, what the fuck are they thinking? Khalil Mack looks like the best player in the league. Sunday Night Football. Thank you for listening. Share this podcast. It's the season. We're delivering fresh content. Fair takes on this podcast. Talk to you again later in the week. We're out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.